Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. So there are a couple of newsworthy things to come out of Thursday's preseason game against the Seattle Seahawks. I think the most important or the biggest newsworthy thing was a tweet from Mike Kliss. And... If your kids are listening, cover their ears, because this is a family show. Dakota Watson and Malik Reed gave Vaughn and Chubb a blow. I mean, what's going on on the sidelines? How bad do you want to make the team? (laughs) I mean, we were joking before we came on. That in all the times that I've come up with Chubb jokes, I never went to that level because this is a family show. Yeah, it, it was just you know the, if if you haven't seen the tweet, I, I suggest you go check it out. Look at the replies; several gifts that are just hilarious. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't, I can't. He's supposed to be a professional, right? I would assume a professional would understand phrasing. And and I know that we're not doing phrasing. Phrasing's not a thing anymore. Shout out to Archer. But <laughs> it's just you're Mike, buddy, you are 
You know, you know how he's reached the point in his career where he's so old that he doesn't understand his own references. You know what I'm saying? Like he just says things and 50 years ago, no one would have thought about that at all. But it ain't 50 years ago anymore. It's today. And that is a phrase that should have been, he needs a Twitter editor person. He needs somebody else to do his Twitter for him. I thought he was just looking out for chubs everywhere. He's just trying to help a chub out. Chubs need a blow. I mean, come on. Well, and so do they Vons. They all need one. <laughs> Vons and chubs. Oh, my goodness. Oh, all okay, right. Back on track. Yeah. The other newsworthy thing football. that came out, and it came out early Friday morning, late in the, the game against Seattle, uh, Drew Locke had a beautiful pass up the middle in the seam to tie it into Austin Ford. And as soon as Fort caught the ball, it was a great catch. You could see him that he was in pain, and he grabbed for his leg. And if you if you see the slow motion replay, it's cringeworthy. I wouldn't recommend it. But it, it was confirmed by Adam Schefter and other people on Friday morning that he did, in fact, tear his ACL, which is horrible for him because he was having a great camp. He would have at least been tried to stash on the practice squad, but with how the Broncos – are a mash unit right now in terms of the tight end position. He probably would have made the roster. It's just, it's horrible for him. It's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for the Broncos because they now only have three healthy tight ends. So hopefully Jake Butt can get his butt back on the field. But it's just, it, it's an example of why they need to limit the amount of preseason games to two so this stuff doesn't happen because now. He's going to have to fight back. I mean, he he was going to fight for a roster spot anyway, being an undrafted free agent from Wyoming. And he was going to make this roster, whether it was the practice squad or the 53-man roster. But it, it's just it's horrible for him. So hopefully he can have a, a successful rehab and, and come back next season where he left off. Yeah, you know, you feel bad for a kid like that who – you know, maybe expectations for him are are lower because he is that undrafted free agent. But at the same time, for him, this is, you know, this is his dream, right? This is the goal, and he's out there doing what he, you know, what he's wanted to do his whole life. Uh, you can always those types of injuries are always uh, scary because you see a guy catch a ball, you know, and then then next thing he does is he goes to the ground and nobody touched him. And once somebody goes down and nobody touches him, you you kind of know what the injury is going to be and, and you know, what, what he's going to have to go through. I do have a, a slight bone of contention to, to pick with you on, on your assessment there, though. I, I am all for only two preseason games, but it's not because of injuries for me. For me, it has to do with um, just just not wanting to watch the boring preseason games. I think that they need to figure out a way to um, eliminate a couple of preseason games just just in general, not has nothing to do with injuries. Guys get injured all the time. Uh, I think that's just the nature of the beast. They're going to get in. If he was going to get injured in the preseason, he was going to get injured in the regular season. I kind of, you know, and, and knee injuries, I think are like that. So to me, that's not a reason to, to eliminate the preseason games, even though I do think we should be eliminating preseason games. I like the, the who was Mace's idea, the 17-game season, two preseason games. I think that would be a, a good way to go. And everybody plays overseas one game. That was that was a good idea. I don't know. We, we don't have to revisit that now because that's not what we're here for. 
Well, I, I mean, obviously the preseason is nothing but a money grab. That's the only exactly. reason they play these games. It's just, I, I think when you, when you put players at risk, it shows that it's not about the players because if the owners actually did care about these players, they wouldn't put them through five preseason games. They wouldn't be doing five preseason games. They wouldn't be playing Thursday night football, which has been uh, one of those things where it's, I, I think that, it's pretty obvious that that's a big strain on players. They wouldn't make them travel outside of the country and, and play in different places. They would just have a regular travel schedule. I mean, make no mistake about it. For the owners, this isn't about player safety. It's about making money. And for the players, it's about player safety and making money. So you're, you're, you're you have sort of this these dichotomies of of different groups that want different things. I, I don't think you can. Um, you can separate the two from each other, but I think I do think there are ways to make sure that the owners get the money that they want and still eliminate senseless, useless preseason games. I mean, we're we're getting ready to talk about players uh, and and things that happen on the field by players that aren't going to be playing football in three or four weeks, and we know that. So, what's the point of the extra preseason games? I- I'm not really sure. One thing that I've been I've been wanting to to mention on the podcast and mention to the universe, and this is finally the chance to do it, is if you're going to play these meaningless games and they're meaningless for everybody but the people on the field, and I even think coaches think they're meaningless. Kyle Shanahan had a great quote this week about how he said he gets more use out of watching the practice film than he does the game film. Have a running clock. In high school football, if you get up in the first half by like I think it's forty-five nothing. If you get a forty-five nothing lead in the second half, it turns into a running clock. Have a running clock the entire preseason game, so it just continues to happen. So you're still able to play a game. The owners are still able to get their money, but we don't have to sit through three hours and twenty-six penalties as we did on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, twenty-six penalties is insane. That was, and and that was something that if you were if you were watching the game and if you were following the people's reaction on Twitter and some other places, that was the complaint that it was by the time the game was almost over, it needed to have been over for an hour. And um, the, the I think the most telling point to this being these are meaningless games and we don't want to get people injured. Uh, I turned on the, the, the Packers game last night. I, you know, let's figure out, turn on the Packers this is NFL network. They're showing preseason games. I'm gonna throw this on whatever, see what's going on. I, I don't think they had any of their starters going. I know Aaron Rodgers wasn't going and it was like, wh- I, why am I watching a bunch of, you know, second, third and fourth string players who, uh, yes, for them it's important they're fighting for a roster spot, and I think it's okay to acknowledge that. But you can fight for a roster spot over two preseason games and and several preseason practices versus four or five preseason games that don't matter where you're you're spending most of the time not playing your starters because you're worried they're going to get hurt. So if you don't play guys because you're worried they're going to get hurt, you're proving to everybody that it's not about player safety except for we know these are meaningless games and so we don't want to get people hurt in meaningless games. We just want them to get hurt in meaningful games. And and that to me is frustrating. And we're about to talk about this for you know three more weeks after this because the Broncos have three more preseason games. 
What's interesting about it is I mentioned that quote from Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. and the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are going to be in the Broncos facility next week leading up to the preseason game on Monday night when they do the joint practices. I would love to know how many coaches feel the same way as Kyle Shanahan does because if he's feeling that way as a young head coach, he can't be the only one where he feels he gets more use out of watching the film on practice than he does preseason games. So you can still fight for a roster spot, but it just makes it even more important that you do it every day in practice. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's, that's the idea. And I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll see some changes over the next couple of years to the schedule and, and the and the way that they do preseason games. As it is right now, I think that I think that we're both in agreement. And I think a lot of people are that uh, the Denver Broncos losing to the Seattle Seahawks last night, twenty-two to fourteen, meant uh, nothing, absolutely nothing. So you don't have to worry about that. And that's one of the things we've talked about as well. Preseason games. The final score never matters. If the final score doesn't matter, then the game doesn't matter. They could, you know, here's a thought. This just pops into my head, and you know how that happens to me. What if instead of playing preseason games, they did these joint practices, and you did it with three or four teams, and instead of running full games, you go out there and you have the defense and the offense on on half the field, and you're just running running through plays, kind of like preseason practices only you put it on tv and you can have you can have it go for half the time because you have both units on the field and then before that you can have you know kickers do a kicking contest for fun uh but they they're still getting work and you can have punting contests i mean you could you could do it where it's like these joint practices get airtime on tv but it's not a real game and you're not really you know you're getting contact but you're not getting that full-on um, game time contact. And then maybe you have like one or two preseason games that are actual games. So coaches can practice in game decisions and time management and things like that. I wouldn't mind seeing that because if you do the practices, when you go out to training camp, you see them work through various sequences. So they'll do 11 on 11. They'll do seven on seven. They'll do nine on seven. They'll do various sequences. And then they add in scenarios in the games where they go through. So they, you'll see the offense pinned up against their own end zone. You'll see the offense doing a, a two-minute drill when they're down by a touchdown with one timeout. It's, it would be interesting to see them do that against a different defense as opposed to Joe Flacco doing it against Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb every day. So that would be interesting. The thing that I, that I look for in preseason games, aside from the team statistics, like 26 penalties, is I, I, I look for for things that I think coaches would look for. So when I see the first drive of the first preseason game for Joe Flacco and the starters on offense, it's a very encouraging drive to start the game. It's the first drive that they've been on the field for a game ever in a new offense. And to see that to see them flash the way they did is very encouraging. Obviously, there's still stuff to improve on. It was the first preseason game. It was the first drive. But to be able to put a drive like that together where you're able to march down the field and be in a position to come away with a drive on your opening drive of a game, we haven't seen that since Peyton Manning retired. Yeah. So if Flacco can get the timing down with Cortland Sutton on that throw into the end zone, I think there's one play that Joe Rolls was highlighting in our Slack channel 
where I think if you pause it, you see Cortland Sutton open. I think he's simply going through his progressions. He sees Sutton. He sees Tim Patrick. But he wants to go through his progressions so he knows where they are. And that's when he checks down to Royce Freeman. It still ends up in a first down. The other thing that was very encouraging about all of this was Drew Locke's play. I thought the way that he played in the first in the first half when he came in for Kevin Hogan and then the drive that he was able to get a touchdown on should really help with his confidence. Yeah, I, I mean, that is one of the things that you do want to see from a preseason game. All right, so we drafted these guys. Let's see how they perform. Uh, let's see how the new quarterback is clicking with his new offensive line, his new, his new receivers. Um, I was encouraged to see Royce Freeman break a 50-yard run. I thought that was great. Uh, you know, he's he's one of those guys that I'm kind of paying attention to uh, as the season gets closer and closer because I think that his rookie year was hampered by an injury, and I think he can be more effective than he was uh, in 2018. And I think that that makes Philip Lindsay more effective as well. And so I kind of am, I'm, I'm kind of paying attention to how things go for Royce Freeman, just because I think that that can make the Broncos that much better if he's performing well. And that 50 yard run is going to build confidence for him. And really, you know, you're right. If, if you're, if your starters are out on the field, you want to see them have success in some way. They put points on the board. They had a nice drive. Uh, things weren't perfect, but they were good. Drew Locke looked good. I mean, all in all, it's a pretty successful game, I suppose, or at least it's a pretty successful, um, you know, first half. I don't know. I don't even know what you – it's a preseason game. I mean, where where do we go from there? I don't know. It's, it was pretty successful, even though they lost. The other intriguing factor about Royce Freeman's big run is the interior blocking by Connor McGovern and Dalton Reisner. That's the second time – this preseason that Dalton Reisner has played really well as a rookie left guard. So I think that's very encouraging. I think the discouraging aspect of it is once the starters came out, that's when it went to, you know what? Well, yeah. Death by inches was, a big loser last night with the penalties, with the missed tackles, with the lack of coverage, with it just, it, it was, it was a preseason football game, but it's not going to be something that Fangio is going to be happy about because the depth players need to be sharp. Like the starters are, if you want to get a spot on his team. And if you want to play for his defense, if you want to play for Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel, you better do one thing. And that's tackle. And there were some missed tackles last night, and that's not going to fly. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. You brought up death by inches. It was death by inches for us as fans watching the game because it was so boring. But at the same time, that's one of those things that I talked about in the, you know, in the preview before the game. I wanted to see how that discipline would carry over. What what type of culture, you know, we've, we've talked about a, a change in culture and, and how is that going to carry over into games and and it it really was that was the disappointing aspect that it didn't seem like those second and third string guys were as sharp as they needed to be and and I know we're talking about guys that are not as um, they're just just not as good right there's a reason you're not a starter in the NFL you're second third or fourth string and so that there is a little bit of an excuse there but at the same time and I think this is important 
you have to um, you have to start changing at all levels, right? First stringers have to be better, second stringers have to be better, third stringers have to be better, and so on and so on and so on. And when your backups go out there and and do the things like miss tackles and have bad penalties and and lose their focus and their discipline, that to me is a problem. And I think that's partly a problem of uh, you know it also being a meaningless preseason game. It's easier to lose your focus when it doesn't really matter, but. To me, that's when you should focus the most, especially if you're a guy that's on the bubble that might not make this roster. Those are the guys that should be on point. They should they should do the little things better than anything else because that's what's going to get them a spot on the 53-man roster or the practice squad. So to me, that was disappointing, but I think that those are things that can be worked on. Those are things that can be uh, ironed out, if you will, and, and the, the joint practices help with that a little bit, I think, as well, because it sort of changes up the monotony of going against just your guys all the time and that will that will move things forward but I was I was a little disappointed in that I was hoping that some of that culture stuff that we've been talking about the entire offseason would have shown out throughout the game and it really didn't I think what will will help with that is to have a game like that because now Fangio and the rest of the coaching staff can go back and be like this needs to get better or you're not going to be on the roster. There are two quotes that really stand out from last night and they're both about drew lock. So drew lock on his bounce back performance from the hall of fame game. It wasn't necessarily about showing everybody else. I wanted to come out and play well for the guys in this locker room, this team, the coaches and for myself. And then the one that really stands out is from Vic Fangio. I thought he threw it pretty damn good. There you go. <laughs> that, I mean, that's that's a Vic Fangio quote, right? I mean, I, we're, I think we're starting to hear some of these Vic Fangio quotes. That's a Vic Fangio quote. What would you think of him? I thought he threw it pretty damn good. Oh, okay. Uh, any, anything else? We're good? All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that was welcome to perfection. Um yeah, I, I mean, he threw it pretty darn good. Good for him. I, you know, it's. I think that that's where you can take some solace from this game. And don't look at the final score. Don't don't get too wrapped up in whether or not the Broncos won or lost. Look more at individual performances and and how guys did out on the field. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Um, was there any any were there any surprises for you uh, from players? Maybe for, you know from the offense or the defense in general, special teams. Any any big surprises? I think there's one surprise. It's not really a surprise, but it's the overreaction to a third string quarterback doing what he typically does well. And of course, everyone knows that I'm talking about Paxton Lynch. See, they didn't, the people listening thought we were going to ignore this topic. They thought we were going to avoid it, but no, we're going to dive right into it because that's how we do things. It's not a surprise that Paxton Lynch does this. 
Look at the statistics in his final preseason game with the Denver Broncos against the Arizona Cardinals. He did almost the exact same thing, which is why Benjamin Albright tweeted, Paxton's game is built for this. Mobile with big arm guy always looks good in Sandlot preseason games against future insurance salesmen. Yet for some reason, there are some in the Denver media who have decided to say, well, if Paxton Lynch is playing like this against the number two and three defense, why isn't Drew Locke? Well, because Drew Locke is playing his second preseason game in his career and Paxton Lynch played his 13th because this was Paxton Lynch's Super Bowl. This was the most meaningful game he's ever played in, in his mind. Because let's face it, when he was in Denver, and and I was a I was a big supporter of Paxton Lynch. I was rooting for Paxton Lynch. I I have said many times that he should have been the starter in 2016 um, to start the season, which means that that probably wouldn't have worked out anyway. But I do think he had earned it after that preseason. But at the end of the day, love that cliche. This was the most important game in his entire NFL career, and that says more about Paxton Lynch's performance than whether or not he did it against the second or third string. The fact that this game, a preseason game, the first wit for him against his former team, is the most important game in his his in his career. I'm sorry. Like good for Pat good for Paxton. Good for him. He needed he needed that. You know, he's got a family now in Seattle that loves him and can't wait to hand him a clipboard and say, go sit down or go enjoy your time. Not on this team because he's look, he's either going to be the third string quarterback there or he's not making the team. So are we really going to do this? Are we really going to overreact to how well he played against? I like how Albright put it, but some of them might be car salesmen. Some of them uh, could, could work at a grocery store. Some of them Some might of them might be selling cell phones in the mall. Sure, those those kiosks are very important. So you know, I <laughs> I just think I I just think it's a silly sort of obvious overreaction. It's you knew that's what you were going to get. You were either going to get, see, we knew it. He's terrible from everybody. Which okay, or see, we knew it. Drew Locke isn't good enough. Like why are we comparing these two kids? There's there's just no comparison there. They're different games. Different quarterbacks. Yeah, totally different. It's, I mean, but, you, you mentioned the, the game differential. It's also Paxton Lynch's fourth year, and it's Drew Locke's rookie season. So, uh, yay, Paxton Lynch. He's still probably not going to make the Seahawks roster. The one thing that did surprise me to get back to the game is how bad the Broncos' special teams were. They were horrible, and I think the Broncos are going to have to find a new punter. Yeah, I mean that's they tried. <laughs> that was that was you know they started they started training camp with you know bringing in I, I can't even think of the guy's name because he didn't stick around for very long. He's and, a Pro Bowl alternate that I know of though. Oh really? Yeah, he was a Pro Bowl alternate, but he's. How is that even? I just the Pro Bowl is so stupid. Like, can we just move on from the Pro Bowl now at this point? Like, just honor guys for being good, and then just don't even play the game because it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, punt, punter is one that you have. It's I think it's proven out over the course of an entire history of the NFL that punters can change games if they're good. 
They can switch the field. They can uh, they can cause problems for the other team. So your offense can go out and be not great, and then the punter can kind of save your defense by extending uh, the distance that the other team has to go on offense. And that's something that I, I think that we were really disappointed in how things worked out with Marquette King last year. Um, in, in 2018, he was going to be like the, the fun and exciting punter guy from the Raiders, and it was going to be awesome. And then he totally fell apart. And you can blame Vance Joseph and his regime for that if you want to, or you can blame Marquette King for not really being focused on football, but having his eyes on a lot of different other things. No, either way you look at it or however you choose to look at it, the fact is on the field, the Broncos need a better putter, punter, excuse me. I probably need a better putter too. I need a better putter. That's just my golf game. But it does end up being pretty important, even though we talk, oh, it's a kicker. Kickers don't matter. Actually, they matter a lot. Just ask Rich Eisen. Kickers and punters are people too. That's right. But – of course, we're talking about Colby Waldman, and he 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 was horrible on Thursday against the Seahawks. I I mean, actually, it's Colby Wadman. I added Wadman, yeah. Extra I added L. an L to his last name. He probably but needed the L. He was taking it. He's going to have to take the L on the way out. Yeah. I think cultural the- reference. Look at us. <laughs> It'll be. It will be interesting to see what Elway and Fangio decide to do with the punter situation because, I mean, maybe we're a little spoiled in the fact that we grew up with a great punter, and I think he he's unheralded, and I think he's underrated by a vast majority, even the organization. Yeah, I'd since agree he wasn't that. in the Broncos' top one hundred. I mean, maybe I'm remembering it wrong, but I remember. Mike Horan being able to pin people deep at Old Mile High as a left-footed punter. Yeah. I mean, even Tom Ruin. Here's an idea. Bring Britton Colquitt back. Yeah. And who who knew that we were going to say that since Britton Colquitt left the Denver Broncos, it's been all downhill for punting? I, I, wait a minute. That was supposed to be when things got better and they got worse. And that is a huge problem. It's frust- That's... That's one of the most frustrating aspects to me is that it didn't get better. If you're going to move on from a guy, move on when you've got something better. And I think that Marquette King was supposed to be that something better. And now now the Broncos are just flailing. I, I don't know. Go down to Australia and get one of those uh, Australian rules football players. Go get find somebody who can punt. That There has to be somebody out there better than what the Broncos have right now. Speaking of Aussies, I wonder if Adam Gatsas could do it. Ooh, yeah, he he might be able to. He was a rugby player, though, right? Or was it I, Australian I think so. rules? Either way, they. But kicked I'm the sure ball. he knows how to play Australian rules football. Well, I'm sure he does, and I'm sure he could probably kick a football if he had to. I don't know. That's not a bad idea because it's not like he has to play on. You know, he doesn't play on special teams. He doesn't have to block, right? So just get him, just get him back there and have him kick the ball, and then can you imagine him making a tackle on somebody breaking away? Might be It'd fun. Be, it would be fun. <laughs> Hopefully, it can come against the Colts. <laughs> I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Very nicely done. Um, yeah, but I, you you mentioned flailing. I, that's exactly what the Broncos special teams looked like on Thursday. Like a floppy fish on land, right? Just bouncing around, unable to really get things done, and 
couldn't get themselves back in the water to take a breath. It was, it was bad. Tom McMahon had, and the special teams plopped it out there and expected it to perform. Ooh, yeah, and it we, didn't. I'm, I'm surprised we got all the way to almost a, a half hour into the podcast here, and no one had plopped it out there or expected it to perform. We had to talk about punting in the special teams to get that out there. That's pretty. That took a while. I'm glad we got there. <laughs> So, all right, what, what are we talking about moving forward then? What, what are some things that we need to be paying attention to, uh, looking ahead towards, those kinds of things? Obviously, it's the joint practices with the San Francisco 49ers. And it, it sucks that uh, Nick Bosa is hurt. So we're not going to see a great test for Garrett Bowles going against a strong rookie like Bosa. But it, it's still always a good thing to get joint practices, I think, because it it, it brings another team into the equation. It's something new. It's something different. The other big thing is look at how the team responds to the whole death by inches that wasn't eliminated on Thursday. How does the team respond? What does Fangio and the coaching staff do to get them refocused, especially the depth guys? So that's something to keep an eye on. And, just continue to try to to make it through the preseason without any more serious injuries, especially at tight end. And there's a serious, there's a potential serious injury with Andy Janovich, who's having an MRI on his shoulder oh, chest. Yeah. That's right. So keep so, an eye on that throughout the course of the weekend from from the the various Broncos reporters, whether it's Cliss. Uh, Nikki well, if it's Jabobla, Cliss, make sure your kids don't see it first. Like you might want to just, you know, just look at it first, make sure it's safe, and then you can show your kids. I actually, on the Janovich point, I um I happened to catch uh, Fangio's interview and they asked him about it, and it sounded like they somebody asked him in, in the media, I don't know who it was, uh, if it was shoulder or pec, and he said it was more pec, and that could be serious if it's if it's more pec, if it's a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, that could be a big deal. That could be a huge problem for Janovich. And there's no way you can get 22 Janos out there uh, if one of them, if if only one of them is there and he's injured. So um, that's that is one to pay attention to. And then the other thing to, to just keep an eye on is the continue the continued progression of the of the Broncos offense with Joe Flacco and then Drew Locke. I mean, if, if Fangio was saying that he thought Locke threw the ball pretty damn good. Does that mean he's going to get more reps with the twos now? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, you heading out to camp at all? I will be back out on Sunday, and I have uh, a fun story planned where I, I'm focusing on the familiarity of the coaching staff. So obviously that's Fangio, Donatel, but also Coach Staley. That's also the linebackers, Coach Herring. But it's also the familiarity that Ed Donatel has with the Broncos organization, since this is his third stint with the franchise. And it's two stints prior that were the yin and yang. He was with the team the most successful of those periods in back-to-back Super Bowls. And he was with McDaniels during that whole debacle. So his third stint. (laughs) So I'll be talking to Steve Atwater about Ed Donatel and the familiarity and uh, it, it should be a fun story because I think based on what Donatello and Fangio have told me, the familiarity is, is it, it's so important for a coaching staff. And it's, it's going to be what I think leads to this defense being as good as it is. And that's something that flashed on Thursday, the starting defense. 
this starting defense is going to be really, really, really good. I mean really, really good. Dominant good. Well, good. And then uh, make sure you tell Steve I said hi. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.